Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. In the meantime, let's bring in John Vale into the conversation. John is the chief global strategist at Nico Asset Management. He joins from Tokyo. Thanks for being with us, John. I just brought up uh, the two-year yield on, or the yield, I should say, on the two-year since Friday of last week when we had that employment report. So much volatility in the rates environment right now. Today, the services PMI beat expectations. The market's really rethinking Fed strategy. How, how do you see the rate story right now? Well, the market has been extremely enthusiastic about uh, the Fed softening its stance going forward. Any hint of that has been taken uh, very, very strongly by the market. So um, I think now that we're in the blackout period, the Fed has only recourse to, uh, shall we say, leaks uh, through the media to explain uh, its view on how markets are reacting. And I think it might have done at least a little bit of that through uh, uh, the media uh, today. And and what in particular in the media struck you? Oh, um, it's an article by one of your competitors um, and uh, saying that the uh, the Fed's going to keep uh, rates um, higher for longer. You know, the, when, you, when you tighten financial conditions, though, if that's the objective, any type of rally that you're going to get in risk assets, whether stocks go up, whether the dollar weakens, whether yields continue to drop, I mean, that's only going to create a bit of concern here. I mean, I understand that the part of the way in which the Fed works is through the language that they use. I mean, do you feel like they're just going to play this game of whack-a-mole anytime the market gets a little bit of enthusiasm building that, that maybe a pivot is in sight, that the Fed has no choice but to deliver a heavy hand and, and a big remedy? Yes, actually, I do. Just like uh, Kathleen's uh, major scoop at Jackson Hole with uh, Phyllis George. Um, they come out and they make strong statements whenever the market gets overexcited, don't you think? Well, actually, uh, I mean, Esther George is is a, is a very frank, Esther and straight, George, sorry. yeah, that's all right, but it's a straightforward person. You know, she doesn't beat around the bush, and she hasn't been afraid to be hawkish or dovish when others weren't. Uh, coming back to the Fed and communication, what I find striking, honestly, you two, <laughs> is that. Look, the Fed has been saying that so clearly. We think rates are going to go higher than we thought, and they're going to stay longer. More than one has said it's not going to be like a, a mountain where you go up and then climb down the other side. Uh, it's going to go up, and then it's going to be a plateau potentially for the rest of the year. And no matter how right. many times the Fed says that, the markets don't listen. And the history right. of inflation says you have to keep rates high for a long time when you let it get so far out of control. Right. 
Absolutely right. And uh, the market does not want to listen to that. Um, fixed income um, asset managers, um, they tend to be relying on their historical models, I think, and they perhaps have a bias towards their asset class and want things to get better in the bond market. So it might be just wishful thinking because the economic data is extremely mixed. I mean, some things look quite strong, some, looks, uh, some look weak. Um, it's very hard to get a picture of what's happening to the economy right now in the U.S. I'm just wondering, listen to the, listening to the two of you talk, whether or not when the market becomes enthusiastic, what it's really showing us is that there is still so much liquidity in the system that when you get these moments of reprieve, that you get a swelling in, in, in risk appetite. But I want to pivot a little bit to your neck of the woods, John, because uh, you're being in Tokyo, you're keeping a close eye on the yen here. Today, we had a powerful rally in the dollar. I get that. That's a yield curve story. But the yen has been on an amazing tear lately. What do you make of this? It does seem correlated with the U.S. bond market and the interest rate, nominal interest rate differential has been the key determinant of the yen's uh, movement. So it sort of makes sense from that regard. There's also more talk here in Tokyo about, uh, uh, you know, the Bank of Japan starting to do something. I personally don't think they will, but they're at least looking at, you uh, easing um, in some sort of conceptual way and starting to think about it. Um, uh, think about thinking about it, I guess you could say, um, with some fairly major voices out there saying um, there should be some sort of at least study of this. And as most of your listeners probably know, the central bank governor, um, Kuroda, who's been a stalwart um, easing advocate um, for the last, what is it, 10 years or so, um, um, is retiring or being, um, yeah, his term is over. And so there's a lot of speculation too about who will replace him. And it's probably true that anybody is going to be a little bit, at least a little bit less dovish than Kuroda because he's been very stalwart. <laughs> he certainly has. And, uh, you know, the, the, the one who led the charge of yield curve control and all that, but, uh, we've had mm. two great stories this week from our Tokyo team, uh, Toru Fujioka, for example, yes. uh, interviewed Asahi Noguchi. He's a BOJ board member. He's uh, considered to be quite a dove and quote unquote, even he said you can see signs of inflation finally taking hold, although he doesn't think any policy change will come soon. Uh, you know, th th that seems to me they are moving closer. And I remember um, Mr. Yen uh, telling me about three years ago that he thought that the the pivot would come when Crota's term ends. Do you think that's true? Well, um, I don't listen too much to Mr. Yen, to be honest, but I would listen more to Fujioka-san's articles and uh, Noguchi. And um, also he wrote one by Takatoshi Ito, who's who's extremely close to Kuroda. And I guess is a uh, contender for his replacement. I hadn't heard of that until Fujioka-san uh, mentioned it. But um, yeah, there's definitely um, uh, you know some consideration um, um, of some kind of conceptual pivot. But mm. the ramifications of of uh, of a hike in Japan are right. very very severe. I would agree with that, John. Good stuff. Thank you so much for being with us, John Vale of Nico Asset Management, joining us here on DBA. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. 
The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.